This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hi, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. With me, as always, is Maxwell Bogue. Hey, Joris. How are you doing today? I'm well. I'm really. I'm actually extremely well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And who do we have on the pod today? Well, actually, we've got uh, Mandy Moshiri, uh, and Mandy is the additive manufacturing manager at the Lego Group. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so welcome to the show, Mandy. Hi. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so, so Mandy is in charge of technology manager, which is like a special kind of person at the Lego that uh, manages certain technologies, and she uh, is actually originally a materials engineer and has a PhD in additive manufacturing. And been working in AM since about 2015. Now she's well, trying to develop additive manufacturing inside Lego. Uh, so, Mandy, first question: How do I get to work at Lego? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Can you make this happen for me? Well, we have a career page, uh, and you can look for jobs there and apply. <laughs> the way I got into Lego was that I was looking for a PhD position, uh, and uh, I was just uh, sending tons of emails to different professors, different universities, and then one day I just opened my LinkedIn page, and there was this position called um, PhD on uh, metal additive manufacturing, and actually I was specialized on metal AM, so I was say. Uh, I thought I told myself, well, why not? So I started, I joined Lego in April, 2017 as an industrial PhD. Uh, it was for a Marie Curie project called Palm Square that stands for precision additive metal manufacturing. And I was enrolled at DTU. And during my PhD, I got uh, also fully hired at Lego and, and now I'm coring the, and since uh, 2019, I'm coring my current position. Okay. And then what's it like? Is it, is it, I think it could be quite a switch from going from academia to, to, to commercial business. Um, not that much because uh, soon after my, also already my master thesis was also for uh, an industrial, for it was for a company in Italy. And uh, soon after my, I finished with my master, I started working. It was a researcher for my former university and uh, aviation. And then I always kept, my, my PhD was industrial, so I always kept one feet, one foot in academia and the other foot in the industry. So it was kind of a, a smooth tr- transition. You do, do you only do metal additive manufacturing? Now you're also doing some polymer stuff. Uh, so for me personally, I'm only doing metal, but uh, in the company, we also do plastics. Yeah. Because you're concentrated on metals, are you doing things like repairing tools or, or prototyping tools or something like that using additive manufacturing or... Are you yeah, making so, metal bricks? Or what are you... <laughs> well, stepping on a plastic brick is already painful enough. <laughs> so, so we wanted to make it more painful with a metal brick. Yeah, right? no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on uh, in uh, metal, yeah, we take care of. Oh, we also do like uh, repairing and to uh, prototyping. But our main products are actually the mold components themselves. So we produce more. We the main production technology for Lego is uh, injection molding for producing Lego Lego bricks, Lego elements, and uh, we take care of, of using of uh, using uh, additive manufacturing, metal additive manufacturing for production of uh, this tooling, like uh, mold inserts and other mold components. And are you are you guys now using it to make entire molds as well, or are you still like using EDM spark erosion 
to make the initial mold and you're just doing the smaller stuff like inserts. And so the, the entire mold is something made of hundreds of components. So we also look at where additive manufacturing bring the, the greatest benefits. And that's, for example, into mold inserts where you can exploit the design freedom from AEM, for example, to have conformal cooling channels, which improve the thermal management of the mold, uh, decrease the cycle time, uh, makes in general better quality elements, um, uh, molded elements. Um, and for us, AEM is like uh, a tool in the process chain. Uh, the main technology that we use is laser powder bed fusion. And uh, you can't achieve with this technology as it is today, the tolerances that we need, like the dimensional tolerances that you need for the molding components. Uh, they, are, they are too tight and AM is not yet there. Um, so AM is like a, is, is a tool in the middle of a process chain. So also in our approach, we look at the entire process chain in which there are also involved uh, milling machines, CDM machines, as you mentioned, depending also on uh, what component you want to to build that, that's interesting you said because i think you know we always kind of think of either two things when people uh, are saying about this that either oh we can make the tolerances in aerospace parts so why couldn't we make molds you know and the other thing is that well you can make it a little bit larger than mill it down right <laughs> or is it not that <laughs> yeah exactly but also when you look at the surface of printed parts like if you think mm -hmm. a parts printed with powder bed fusion you see that the surface is still rough. You don't get the shiny, smooth, uh, polished surface. Like it, you can't get there with the ter current technology and mm -hmm. uh, no one would like uh, a, a rough brick. <laughs> yeah. So it's important that you get into this dimensional tolerance mm -hmm. uh, also to make sure that all the functionalities are, are met. Yeah, definitely. But I think we can get a long way with like things like, you know, hip and hipping and EDM and stuff like that, but you really think that you really think it's not there. So you literally said to us, like, you know, you're saying we're not going to get there with this generation of tool of, of, of technology, maybe the, the completely new generation. It could be actually, I, I think that the laser powder fusion has some limitations. So unless you are combining it with, uh, uh, well, there are some, I read some research papers, uh, that talk about using different type of lasers that uh, are including some substructive, uh, technique technologies inside the machine. So for how it is powder bed fusion today, you can't get to the tolerance that uh, are required that we are looking for. Um, so it, it requires another, another level of technology. Maybe it's not going to be powder bed fusion anymore. Who knows? I'm just curious to see how it will go. <laughs> And do you think that that, and what are the, some other limitations that you're running into if you're looking at it in like a, in a molding production kind of, because the, the tolerances aren't the only problem. Right? Yeah, but instead of uh, talking about limitations of AM, I'm just looking more into the entire process chain. So AM is a, is a tool in the pocket. And uh, thanks to, hey, to, to additive manufacturing, we can get much better designs of uh, mold components. So there are lots of benefits that this bring in the final component. Uh, so, and also uh, you print something that it's a near net shape. So, uh, so the amount of milling that you need to do is, uh, is lower. Um, and yeah, you need to remove much less material. You just need to get this tolerance. And, and, and you did mention earlier also like, okay, one of these benefits could be the conformal cooling channels. I mean, uh, it's interesting because it's, 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 it's been in like a thousand presentations and comparatively few actual <laughs> molds, right? 
so actually making this real is, is, is actually like for a lot of things, it's, it seems quite different. And are you guys actually having real benefits from these conformal cooling channels or? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, there are some also research published, I mean, not that by Lego, of course, but uh, by universities that have been doing uh, uh, investigations and uh, if uh, the cooling channels are properly designed and exploiting the freedom that AM can give you, you can really benefit from it. I can tell you that there are more than 500 running modes that has uh, printed metal components. So, and uh, actually, um, if you're familiar like with the Lego Duplo, you know, the mm -hmm. brick for children, lots of them are actually uh, molded on printed uh, comp mold components. <laughs> Oh really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And 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 so that and is, is that a reason why only Duplo or that is more prevalent in Duplo? Is it larger for us? Is it easier or something? Or is uh, it, it better easier? cycle time? <laughs> it's uh, it's not the only Duplo, but it's like a very nice uh, example because uh, Duplo elements are are bigger, so there is also more material, and it's in, extremely important for bigger elements to have a very good control of the heat. Uh, in order to avoid that they warp uh, or they dis deform uh, during molding and also to decrease the cycle time of the of the process of the injection molding process and are you doing this regionally like you know you have facilities all over the planet um you know the, the north american facilities for example printing these parts in north america to be used in the molds or are they all coming out of the netherlands and then being shipped to um to the mold location so right now, the metal additive manufacturing facilities are only located in Billund, so in the headquarter in Denmark, where, where I'm sitting. So they all come from there for now. And uh, this is where the main uh, research and uh, investigations on this technology is done. But it is then being distributed around the world to all the, the different plants, I assume. Yeah, yeah, all day yeah, okay. where yeah. we have the factories with the injection molding facilities. Because it's interesting that people always try to regionalize. Everybody starts like one competence center, usually the headquarters, right? But everybody then tries to quite quickly regionalize polymers. But I don't think there's a lot of large companies that try to really regionalize metal because it's just so difficult and complex. Are you guys thinking about doing that or are you just like, or you just want to keep everything in one place? Um, I would say that for the status as it is right now, it was making sense that uh, there was this core developed uh, in, uh, in one area like uh, the know-how that uh, afterwards might be exported also in different uh, production area where they manufacture mold components uh, depends a bit on the, it, this will be a strategic decisions uh, later on, but uh, considering for our status until now, it was making sense that it was centralized also because technologies like additive, metal additive manufacturing are quite complex, so you really need to develop a know-how and an expertise to make sure you print parts with the right quality. Um, and that was uh, important to be developed, at least in one side, before being exported. And, and if you're talking to an organization, I mean, you guys are, are you said you're using 500 uh, different tools. That's like quite widespread in the organization. You guys must have been doing this for a long time. Um, yeah, there are five, more than 500 running uh, molds with the printed parts. So it's not that the entire mold is printed, but within this mold, there are parts that have been printed. And uh, in uh, in the Lego group, uh, the Metal AM has been used for more than a decade. So we're talking about more than 10 years. And then, and was it difficult to, to, to spread this technology? Is there still resistance? Because in a lot of organizations, we see like, you know, some, some OE manager or a production manager has a perfect system. And then as a 3D printing crowd, we kind of want to waltz all over that system. Right? <laughs> 
is it is it is it that stage? Is there still like institutional resistance, or is like metal AM been like a, a more of an accepted? I would say that it's uh, quite an accepted technology. Is also because it's been it has been used for more than a decade, so it's uh, it's quite known within the organization. But uh, from um, from from my experience, I would say that there is a lot of work still to do. For example. Um, when we look at new engineers, new designers coming out fresh from universities, um, the the mindset that they get in their education is still not yet fully for thinking on additive manufacturing. Because when you when you when you design for AM, you need to think in another way than when you design for conventional. Um, so it's it. Let's say that the change management is also regarding education, regarding. Uh, getting a, a, a new mindset on how to think things differently because AM opens up possibilities that um, you can't even imagine with conventional and to exploit them fully, you need to think out of the box. A new way. Do you, do you guys have courses internally? I mean, if I'm some new engineer, do I just get like thrown in or how do you help? <laughs> yeah, uh, let the machine come. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you get some training before touching the machine. <laughs> well, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> But uh, we have some um, uh, some initiatives. For example, if of course there are straight for people that uh, will work at the machines, get some trainings, also some safety training because we're talking about metal powder, so it's important so to take care of the environmental and health and safety aspects. But also to to spread more, let's say that the word of additive manufacturing. For example, in uh, in our department, we are. We have a, a, an in, a internal website where we share monthly uh, an article on additive manufacturing. For example, we share an article in which we talk about um, powders, how to create powder, how to how powders are atomized, or we talk about different materials. We talk about a different way of design. So we, we pick a topic and every month we publish a very short article uh, in our internal uh, uh, in our internal internet so people also people not just the, in the production area but if you're talking about the hr it anyone at lego can also read and and learn more about uh, this technology and, and what are the so we we're, lo- we're looking at like cycle times is of course given the, the huge amount of volume you guys make like a, a small reduction in cycle time could have a huge impact right also, also on personnel and shifts and all this stuff is is that like is cycle time plus cost savings, is that the main reason to do AM? So I would say reason number one right now is the is the possibility of designing conformal cooling channels. So the possibility also of cool down uh, areas that might be difficult to drill a channel because we still produce components uh, conventionally, of course. Um, regarding the cost, uh, um, we did some research in the past, but we are actually... Um, uh, we are actually running right now a project in which we want to uh, compare very much in detail the the costs of uh, additive manufacturing compared to conventional manufacturing uh, to know, for example, all the hidden costs involved. Because sometimes we say uh, a printed components versus uh, machining components looking just at, for example, machining time and uh, operator time. Um, and, and the cost involved in there. But we need also to look at the cost of the powder against the cost of the blank. We need to look at the cost of the cutting tools because, of course, when you print something in its shape, you need much less cutting tools. You need to see how often in a conventional, in, the, in a full conventional process, for example, you need to change the cutting tools because, of course, they wear out. So um, I, I can't say uh, 
openly right now what's the what's the result so far also because the project is not finished yet but uh, i can say that uh, it's it's surprising how many hidden costs that are also in the conventional manufacturing so sometimes it's uh, the it, it's it's common knowledge is saying that am is very is very expensive but what i'm learning little by little through this project is that it's not always the case oh there's isolated cases that we are cheaper for things for a lot of other stuff it's it, it, it... It's actually closer than people think. Although the problem is that when a customer always comes with their first part, yeah, it's going to be a horrendous sticker shock. You know? I have a question, just more gazing, future gazing. I know right now it does not make sense to not do injection molding for given the volume and number of pieces. But do you envision at some point the possibility of Lego pursuing an, an additive manufacturing solution for the actual production of the bricks? Or do you think that this is just not feasible even in 20, 30 years? So we try to not limit our exploration or additive manufacturing. It would be not wise to say it would never happen because we would never know what new technology will come out from a startup uh, next year. So I would say that we try to keep our eyes very open to exploit all kinds of technologies, production technologies out there. We don't try to limit our research, but uh, we have... Just consider that the company motto is only the best is good enough. So if we can't print the best type of element out of this technology, they will never put put in the in a box <laughs> and, and, and sold. So if, <laughs> if the if this technology can actually achieve the requirements in terms of standards, also in terms of uh, uh, we also have uh, as internal values also about the uh, planet promise. So it also must not be. Uh, something that would kill the environment. So we are considering a lot of different aspects. Um, we are talking about, for some elements, we are, for some bricks, we are talking about large volume. Just consider that, the, for example, uh, one of the most produced elements is the, is a connector for the Technique set type of sets. And the Technique connector, I think that they are produced like 1.4 billion pieces per year. Uh, so there are other elements that are, maybe for short, smaller sets. So maybe we are talking about fewer numbers. So where- Are you, are you, talk, are you talking about like the little black piece that has like yeah. a, a divot on each end? Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, 1.4 billion, it's a lot. That's a lot. And, that's and a lot. I'm not even sure if that's the latest number. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're like, talking about big numbers. <laughs> that's a, uh, that, that'll wear tooling down quite quickly, given that tooling is usually rated for a million you know, 2 million units. Exactly. But also uh, consider that, uh, so also injection molding is not a dead technology. It's still also developing and it's also developing thanks to additive manufacturing because hmm. with better mold components, we can improve also the injection molding process itself. Right. So it's always finding the right balance between uh, what what's the numbers we are talking about, what's uh, what are the requirements there, uh, and in the end, you just pick the best tool, the best technology for for your product. You mentioned how um, Lego has, uh, has doing stuff for the environmental side as, as well. I know a number of years ago, I can't remember if it was 2015, 2016, Lego announced its initiative to search for a new, better material than ABS. I'm wondering if, if there's been any significant progress on that that you can share or, or if you know anything about that. Actually, there has been a lot of research. We have uh, many, many people working on this, always to try to uh, study for better, better materials, more environmental friendly, and so on. Unfortunately, I can't share much about it. 
uh, a little bit because uh, I'm not super update. So <laughs> that's because of me and uh, a bit because of, uh, of course, it's still a bit confidential. But uh, I know that there are a lot of efforts within the company uh, working on this. A little bit back to the molding. I mean, I think Max, uh, Max mentioned it before. I mean, if you're using that many molds and you're using them with such high volumes, like mold rejuvenation is like a really using DED, for example. It's something that has been tried before. It's difficult. It doesn't always work. But is that something you're actively looking at as well? or? Yeah, I mean, for uh, mold rejuvenation, you also mean like mold repairs, right? Yeah, yeah. so repairing and resurfacing the mold and then, and, then, and then milling it down and then all of a sudden you end up with a new mold using yeah, DED or yeah, there's a couple of other... Yeah, we, we use some kind of uh, laser repairing as well. Um, so there, there are some initiatives also in there. Okay, okay. Because that, that could, like, uh, especially those kind of volumes, that could actually be kind of a significant thing for you guys, I think, because you wouldn't have to, it would seem to be much more efficient and, and, and require you to waste less material, let's say. Yeah. But if you're using, you know, like a, I don't know, a hundred cavity tool and each cavity is an insert and you wear out an insert, then you can just 3D print the new insert and replace it. No. If if that's the case, I mean, of course, if, if since you can disassemble and reassemble a mold, of course, if just one part is broken, you can just print right. that part and and replace it. You don't need to replace the full mold. Right. <laughs> and, and then there's another thing that I think was really interesting. Like when I was a kid, I remember there was like a, there was like the standard bricks, right? And then Lego and Duplo. And there was a couple of things. There was like a guy or a couple of guys, and then there was like you know, there's a fire station stuff. But the overall number of bricks was quite limited, you know? Yeah. And now I'm just looking, I was looking at before uh, on, on your e-commerce website, and I see some, like a Republic gunship, a Harry Potter thing, a Charles Dickens <laughs> thing, uh, you know, uh, owls, you know? So the amount of these elements, as you call them, must have like completely exploded for Lego in the, uh, the past decade. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 they really increase the amount of uh, novelty elements and very often it's also like uh, the same type of element is um, reused for, I mean, the, the shape can be interpreted, let's say, in different, uh, in different ways if you just change the color. So maybe the shape of the mold is, uh, of the cavity is the same and then you ch just change the color of the component. Uh, but yeah, there are, there are quite a lot of uh, new elements um, for for the release, yeah. Is that is that also making you because like the other thing is like Max asked to like final part production and, and using uh, AM, but but also there's an intermediate where you could be making, for example, like polymer molds or or for other kind of rapid molding technologies that are kind of like more short run, or like core yeah. molds and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, is that kind of thing? Is that something you guys are interested in or not? Or is or is your volume way too big for that uh, at the same time? Well, uh, it, it, it depends on the specific elements. There are elements like the connector where we are talking about billions per year, but we are also talking about other elements that are much, uh, much lower. Um, we also have uh, departments dedicated into polymer additive manufacturing research. So they are also dedicated into uh, where uh, plastic tooling makes sense as well. Um, and uh, eventually for like, prototyping molds, because sometimes when there is a new design of an element, it's important to test it in a prototype mold uh, before creating the actual factory mold um, components. So there, there are areas where also soft tooling uh, are making sense. So, so, so yeah, I think that especially if, it, if it's, that's going to continue, if you keep getting more and more and also want to support these legacy tools and stuff, then it, yeah, it's going to like totally explode. So only the storage cost every time of creating it is that uh that could be very interesting and is it also so that because is is the because like 
everything, the popularity of everything is much more fickle. Like consumers are more fickle now, you know? Is that also causing you guys to have to more rapidly come out with new, uh, new toys or products and things? Well, they do limited runs too, right? Yeah, we have a certain amount of release per year of the of the new sets, and uh, we have the entire section. Actually, we have the uh, in Billund, there is a, a building for engineers and uh, mall designers, industrial designers, so in so in, and then there is an entire building for the Lego set designers. So the more let's say creative part, <laughs> we are kept separate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't let them near each yeah. other. <laughs> Bad things might happen. <laughs> There's a water fountain. Get rid of it. <laughs> do, you, do you think the Lego building set guys are going to make a Lego injection molding uh, kit where you build it and then... <laughs> we, no, literally, I, I know you can't comment on this even if it's true or not, but I, we did at one point think that Lego was going to come out with a 3D printer. I believe it. But, uh, a, for... a 3D printer? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. selling a... Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, no, I mean, we are a toy company. <laughs> uh, Unless it's a toy itself, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I've seen I've seen people make 3D printers out of oh, Legos. Oh, yeah, there are so many things. Like, uh, sometimes yeah, I just are, Google yeah. on, I just search on YouTube, like, uh, there were students uh, showcasing an entire value chain uh, built with the uh, Lego bricks and Lego mindstorms to make everything moving or robotic arms. Right. I also seen like a, a, a actual <laughs> printer, like uh, for drawing on papers made of Lego. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, was yeah, so yeah, beautiful, yeah. really amazing. <laughs> there's a there's a Rubik's cube solver oh, yeah, too. I've seen it. <laughs> beautiful piece of engineering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it can it'll you put any Rubik's cube in and it examines it, takes pictures, and then it has a motor to rotate uh, the, all the sides and it, it can solve it in 10 seconds or, you know, it's like the, it's, it's very quick. It's very cool. Yes. I, I, I was able to one point claim Lego as a business expense. <laughs> I still, I, I still get to claim Legos as a business expense. Well, because, because like for years it was like the silicone mold, right? You use your 3d print and you'd make a silicone mold, right? Uh, or the mm -hmm. polish, right? That was the best way to do that is to make the edges with a, a Lego, uh, uh, a wall. And the edges on the top of it. Oh, so, I'll have to remember I, that. Yeah, you, there, was like, there, was, <laughs> there was like, and then I, I did that for years, and then uh, so that was always the, the thing. And I, and I still know that Eric, uh, Eric de Bruyne, who's who's uh, my old boss at Ultimaker, would always prototype in Lego, and then and then afterwards he would make the three D file, and then he would prototype in three D printing, and then he would go on to make a, a production. So I thought that was very interesting. Oh wow. <laughs> but, yeah. But is it difficult to have like to be like a, a physical toy company in kind of an area where everything is digital and everybody's on, on computer games and stuff like that? Or um, I wouldn't say so because uh, people still enjoy to play touching uh, toys. Um, so they, 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 of course, there are a lot of initiatives also to to increase the digital part. For example, there are uh, some Lego sets where you also have to scan uh, some some QR or you need to, to show you with your camera and then there was uh, there are some uh, um, uh, extra games that you can play on your phone or on the computer uh, but uh, but still it's I mean I personally enjoy sometimes playing with Lego but I prefer touching it since I stay at the computer the whole day <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I, think, I think there is something in that whole touching element that, that... Tactile play is still considered very important yeah. on every age, age level yeah, for yeah. kids. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because Max used to make toys. I forgot. I keep getting the Max. I, I still make toys. Make but, you know, um... No, you make 3D printing pens. 
that's true. But I also make other things that are yeah. considered toys. But isn't it um, it's very difficult yeah. to come up with something that is so more, like it's like more perfect than Lego? Uh, can you repeat the question? Sorry, I couldn't hear it. it. Is, it is, it's so difficult to come up with something that's more perfect than Lego because you can just like <laughs> let you make like anything you want. Right? Yeah, and uh, here also thanks to the tight tolerance and the accuracy in the yeah, dimensions, the clutch, force. The clutch power. Yes. Yeah. 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 Also, I think Hard Lipson said at one point the resolution you can get, the accuracy you can get with it, is, is very high actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, and and so if you're if you look at like three D printing at Lego, do you do you expect it to grow kind of organically bit by bit throughout the company, or what do you expect that to happen? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there are a lot of research initiatives and uh, of course we are always trying to improve the way we do things, like not just from the technology itself like how to improve the printing, but also uh, how we can improve uh, how we design things, so how we can improve the connection between after we print and uh, when we machine parts. So the, it, it, it's, it's growing every day. Every day we come up with something, we try to, we come up with new projects. Actually, there, is, there are more projects than people, so it's sometimes difficult to keep up, but that means that it's a very hot, hot topic in the company. So it's, it's nice. You never get bored. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. and, and so in terms of like what kind of uh, what kind of have you guys looked at binder jet because that could, that could be interesting as really inexpensive technology for you guys but it, it, I don't think I don't know if it actually makes sense. Well, actually, we we look really at any type any technologies that is out there. That's why I, I always love to go to fairs uh, like Foamnext or others when when it was possible like to to see whatever new was out there and I keep updated into seeing what's new uh, because. There could always be uh, a new tech that can help us doing our things better. And we have quite a big range of uh, different uh, components that uh, where one technology can be more suitable than the other. Um, for binder jetting, there are still some, uh, some limitation that didn't really make it breakthrough in the company. But of course, we should see how it, it keep on developing. There is always research going on on it. Um, for example, the fact that you need to to center afterwards that you have uh, high distortions, you can uh, you can control to some extent it with simulation and uh, designing with initial deformations. But uh, uh, we are also we we also see that uh, sometimes it's difficult for manufacturing big components. Uh, when we are talking about moldings, they are rather big part <laughs> uh, with a lot of material. So binder jetting for how it is today can be. Uh, quite difficult to employ, but there are definitely some uh, smaller components where it could be potentially uh, a good um, a good technology. It's it's just a matter of finding the case study, the correct case study, and uh, and see if it's uh, it's actually advantages from a business point of view. And have you guys also looked? Because everyone always kind of forgets indirect. Because there's a lot of people making investment castings, sand cores, sand molds, and and and. Uh... Uh, and yeah, also SLA patterns and things like that. Have you guys looked at all of like these indirect technologies at all? Um, we did just um, research, but uh, so far the the most suitable technology for what we had to do was still um, laser powder with fusion. But uh, it's 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 again like for binder jetting, find out the correct case studies and see if there could be a business there. Um, sand casting and these other technologies are interesting, but doesn't seems to be um to be very suitable for our current applications and especially for how they're designed today so maybe we you can adapt things by redesigning it but there is also a lot, uh, quite a 
high learning process, the long learning process, because also for designing for laser powder with fusion, you need to start thinking differently from how you design for conventional. And what kind of materials are you guys like 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 looking at from 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 the metal side? I mean, what kind of like materials are key for you guys? So right now, the material we are using is a uh, uh, marriaging steel. Uh, it's a very good uh, tooling material. It's uh, uh, you can reach the high hardness that you need. Uh, it's uh, very good also for fatigue properties for the injection molding process. Um, you can polish it and uh, you can machine it and polish it quite well. So. It's uh, overall uh, a good material, but uh, also there, uh, maybe because it's something close to my heart, the material science point of view, we are always looking into also new materials uh, for for uh, yeah improving our our products or maybe some better properties. Do you, do you speaking of better properties like afterwards? Do you guys like nitrate your tooling inserts and stuff like that just to harden them even more? Uh, no, we we heat stuff? treat them. You yeah. heat okay. Okay, and I, I think that's, that's interesting that you would like because, like, traditionally with with uh, well, three D printing, we kind of think of like we can make that kind of a material per every part could be a material with three D printing. Right? We can change the internal structure, we can change the surface, we can change patterns, stuff like that. Have you guys looked at that as well? They're saying like, hey, wait a minute, if we put a lattice structure behind this, we can change the uh, how it pull it even faster or something like that. Yeah, we actually have a lot of. Uh... Uh, we are doing a lot of projects right now dedicated on design for AM. Um, there are some limitation for the most common uh, uh, CAD software today is available. Like for conventional manufacturing, usually when a CAD software is very good for conventional manufacturing, doesn't have the nice, the great, best tools for additive manufacturing. So there is also a lot of investigation and we're doing some benchmarking as well to see how we can improve uh, our our design toolkit for designing for AM because AM gives so much so, so much possibilities that uh, it would be a shame to not to not exploit them like uh, topology optimization like lattice structures um, I mean it, there is so much more you can do just apart from conformal cooling channels that it's just worth to be studied evaluated and then uh, and then implemented. Yeah, I would love to, like, for example, see, like, texture. I don't know if it's even feasible, but, like, for example, a texture that helps mold release or something like that, for example, you know? These kind of things are really exciting to me, that idea that you could do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's really interesting. Of course, then, uh, once you have designed them, you should also consider that we are talking about components that need to survive, uh, um, let's say, maybe several million cycles in the injection molding machines. Right. So you need to make sure that they can... <laughs> The first no shots are the same as the last ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, exactly. That, that's it. So how do you guys do that? I mean, I think I think you seem to have a lot of freedom to experiment. How do you guys say, like, imagine you 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 have a new type of design. Does it? How does that get into production? What's the process? So you need to do a lot of work beforehand. So you you study it. You try to do research, and maybe if you know that some other companies or universities are working with it, maybe you can ask for advice. Like uh, AM word is in the, in the end is not that big, so it's nice to help each other. <laughs> um, so we we try to get as many information, background information. Then we try to we we try to go ourselves with it. Um, so we start uh, uh, designing, uh, printing. We start maybe designing and printing small parts just to run uh, smaller uh, tests. So if we are, for example, talking about a new material. 
um, it doesn't make sense to print immediately a mold component. We can print small cubes and then do the test, uh, like uh, checking the microstructure, checking the density and so on. And then we go bigger and bigger. And uh, once you have uh, actually proven all the way to the insert that the, the part is working, it's more a matter of uh, presenting it to the leadership team for, for their evaluation, and then uh, it, it could go and, and be implemented. So it's a, it, I guess it's very similar to all bigger companies. So there is also stakeholder management. You need to involve the people. You need to also do, I mean, it's important that you do your homework uh, and uh, to make sure that what we're developing is actually working and, and, and it's going smoothly in our processes. And, and does it really often start with like a problem from the business side of things? Or is it just you guys going, oh, wow, copper, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love that, but uh, yeah. yeah, you also need to see that. Yeah, right. That would be a cool. Way. <laughs> Let's just try it, right? No, uh, it would be it would be like a huge playground. <laughs> no, um, uh, it would be great, but of course, you need to see that the thing is also making sense from a business point of view. <laughs> uh, there's a, a very central. Well, there's a couple of approaches if you're looking at a company tackling this. Either somebody is very limited, so they have like maybe a machine, like one M290 or whatever a machine and the basic post-processing equipment or somebody could have like all the post-processing equipment stuff in-house or someone can have like an alliance of like companies helping out with post-processing with different technology different uh, materials what, what kind of approach do you guys have do you, do you like to have everything in-house or, or i would say that uh, for when we do this learning it's uh it i mean when when we we print components actually it's um is, is mostly in-house because, I mean, we have everything in-house available because also the know-how can be developed. Uh, also, because when you when you start with a new procedure, uh, you don't know how it's going to, to, to end. So it's important that you, you test it and you can follow the things closely. Then for production, I would say it's, uh, it's quite a mixture between uh, in and out. And do you guys, like, normally, do you guys make your own molds normally or, or is that, that outsourced? Uh, also, this one is quite mixed in and out. Okay, okay, okay. So there has to be a part where you're keeping information yourself, and there also has to be like a part where you would then work with other manufacturing or a normal partner to do some kind of technology transfer stuff. Or something, right? uh, yeah. Also, uh, even if the uh, the the printing components are actually done in house. Uh, and and for you guys, I think I think okay, surface finish would tend to be like super important, and you said the tolerances could be a lot better for your application. But what uh, what are some other stuff that's holding us back? Or holding you guys back yeah. oh that's a tough question um <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, if you for example if you want to explore new uh new technologies uh, you you're very like in my department we are very supported and they we are actually encouraged to think out of the box so which is uh, which is great because we are also i'm also sitting in our production department so we we produce the parts uh it's not just it's not an r d department officially uh, but we also do, I mean, uh, my main job is doing R&D parts, I mean, R&D uh, tasks. Um, so uh, I would say that when you do your homework, you actually prove that uh, what you want to explore can have some, uh, can have benefits that you can, uh, you can present. Then people are just uh, giving you a, a push and say, go and try it. <laughs> So that's that's very nice. It's mostly like if you you, you have to come prepared, of course, uh, to make sure you're also not wasting time because you find something cool. Uh, but it's uh, which, <laughs> which is something kind. Sometimes it comes natural, you know. Like I consider myself a scientist, so it's like, oh, that's so cool! I want to try it. I open a 
like I read a, a news on the internet, like, oh, I would like for you to see it. Uh, but then, of course, you also need to consider the work part. So, okay, I need to make sure it's where it's actually useful. <laughs> and as, as as 3D printing technology, if you're looking at, at uh, what, what is holding you back there? I mean, is it is it machines faster, better, bigger, or do we? Yeah, what, what do we need to help you there? Um, well, if I look at the 3D printing technology, I would say that um, considering also the research initiatives we have right now, we have a lot of focus in how to design better. Uh, to make uh, to in, to um, provide better tool also to our mold designers uh, to to simplify as much as possible the uh, the uh, additive manufacturing design process. Uh, so it's important that the tools are available, that the tools are fast and not yeah are are working smoothly, not time consuming, and so on. So we have a lot of research initiatives on this. Um, and uh, so I would say design and uh, regarding printers, I mean, uh, you can, uh, you can make the printing faster. Uh, we also collaborate with different, um, we try to also to collaborate with, the uh, research projects also to, uh, look for how, how to make the laser polymer fusion faster as a technology. Uh, the, the things about bigger, it's always interesting, but, uh, not always necessary, necessary, because of course, if you, we, we, our size is dictated by the mold where, for example, the insert needs to fit. Um, so huge, uh, huge uh, machinery that are as big as a, as a room there, they would not be necessary for, for a company like, uh, like Lego. <laughs> where would you like to be in three in five years? Like as a department or for you, what would you like to achieve at Lego with 3d printing? Ooh, mm, in, in five years. So of course, uh, more factory floors, more machines, uh, the, the tools that today we are, <laughs> we are maybe more <laughs> playground. So when, if I also can have like, uh, uh, some machines just to play with, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 not really playing with Lego, but actually playing with the machine. That's more my, my type of games, um, uh, or the, all the research initiatives, for example, for the design that we have right now that they are actually already implemented. So we can look for something more or something new. Uh, how to make it even better. But I would say that uh, as a mindset, as also a uh, collaboration with inside and outside the company, we are really on a, on a good track, on a, on a good way. So it's like keeping on and finding a new problem and new challenges to solve. <laughs> hey, Mandy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much. It was great to be here. And Max, thank you for being here as well. Oh, thank you. This was fascinating. And, uh, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint.com.